3: Lewis and this is NFL Inside Report. Herbert play action rolls to his right sets up a wide open Donald Parham he's got a lane dives toward the end zone touchdown Chargers. The Chargers outlast the Browns as Justin Herbert overshadows Baker Mayfield.
0: They have a great offensive line two unbelievable backs and that is their offense it runs through them And then Baker's a complimentary piece. When you look at the Chargers, that offense runs through Justin Herbert, um, and he elevates the play of everybody else around
3: him. Daniel Jeremiah joins with how the quarterback play painted a picture of two different franchise philosophies. Plus...
4: He told his wife, Devontae Adams, did before the game, I'm going to have a career high. He had 206 yards receiving.
3: Stacey Dales on the career day from Devontae Adams that helped give the Packers, well multiple opportunities to win but we begin from inside SoFi Stadium where our lead draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah also doubles as an analyst for the Chargers radio broadcast. Well so coming into this week five really thought that the Bills Chiefs game on Sunday night had that potential to give us kind of that recreation of the Rams Chiefs uh, Monday nighter from a few years ago turns out DJ that you saw it inside SoFi Stadium with the Chargers and the Browns in a game that both uh, Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert admitted, didn't expect it to go that way. It didn't go the way we thought it was going to today. We didn't ex- imagine to, to put up 47 points like that, but uh, sometimes that's that's how, how you have to win games in the NFL. But look, once it starts rolling, you, you got to roll with it, and that's what they did in the fourth quarter. 41 points scored, 26 for the Chargers, just 15 for the Browns. What was that fourth quarter like in particular when they were really just going score for score? I was telling... Uh money as he was doing the play-by-play
0: I said Justin will never admit this but I guarantee this part of him every time the Browns got the ball saying just score just get me, ba- go, just give give me back on shot. the field because it was it was there was such a rhythm that they found themselves yeah. in and Joe Lombardi did a great job of calling plays for the Chargers there and they executed And the Browns man it was and David Njoku I felt great about my college report after that game <laughs> I was like I'd like to see this version of David right. Njoku every week because he's over 100. Was,
3: David Njoku has had a career day, 71 yards on that catch and run, but that big man can
0: fly <laughs> yeah. and the Browns retake the lead. Yeah, he was big
3: time. They couldn't tackle him. And then as you're kind of getting, you know, the, that back and forth style of game and you're really relying on your quarterback, does it bring the debate of good versus great at quarterback into focus with... Baker Mayfield, who I think we all acknowledge is a really good player for the Cleveland Browns. But then on the other side, with Justin Herbert, it feels like you've got a great player in the quarterback here for the Chargers. Does does that debate kind of come into focus here?
0: Yeah, I think the way the teams are built kind of tells you where they are, too. Because I think the Browns, look, they have a great offensive line, two unbelievable backs, and that is their offense. It runs through them. And then Baker's a complementary piece to, to that run game. When you look at the Chargers, that offense runs through Justin Herbert, um, and he elevates the play of everybody else around him. And when you look at some key downs, the third and ten late in the game for the Browns, and I think Baker, we watched the tape together. I think there's a chance he might have checked into that because you you saw a bubble there, and the Chargers got lined up and moved over a little bit late. So I think they thought he might be able to pop a run. Uh, but when you're big time, big time quarterback, the ball's in your hands and third and ten to try and salt the game away, put the game away, and then you go to the Chargers. Not only in the third quarter early, they go fourth and two on their own inside their own thirty, but then they come down later on that drive a fourth and seven and they're aggressive and go for it, putting the ball in Justin Herbert's hands.
1: Fourth and seven. Look out from the side. Here goes the throw. Caught by Allen at the
3: ten. Working on Hill. Out of bounds. First down. Picks up
1: twelve. Beautiful throw by Herbert.
0: There's a belief, I think, within the team and talking to the coaches and talking to the players there that it's just a done deal. It's an expectation that he's going to get it done. And he he's looks win it. and he just makes it happen. To win a game like this that turns into a track meet, you have to have a superstar quarterback to win it. And that's what he is. To your point, Red, I think it does show you the difference between having a, a good quarterback who took a, a winless football team and has turned them into a playoff team in Cleveland. Yeah. But he's a, still
3: he's a compliment there. He's not the main course for well, what they do. So two questions to follow up that, uh, follow up with that then is the, the first one is, can you win a Super Bowl in today's NFL utilizing that type of philosophy where your quarterback is not necessarily the star? And the main component
0: of your offense. You have to be loaded everywhere else. Yeah. And I think that if you you know, I think a lot of people go back to like the Dilfer and the Brad Johnson. I go Long back I go back yeah. to young Russell Wilson. And that the makeup of this Browns team is similar to that. Where they're gonna play, you know, good really good defense with a dominant front. And then you've got a big-time running back. They have two in Cleveland versus Marshawn Lynch. Sure. So you can ride them and then opportunistic quarterback who can make some plays. Now, Russell Wilson evolved and grew into much more than that. But those early years, that's kind of how that team functioned. So it can be done, but, man, you've got to be loaded everywhere else, which they can do right now on this rookie contract. Yeah. The question the Browns are going to have to face is do we – do we give him that big second contract right. that's going to dilute the rest of this roster?
3: And the second part of my follow-up is directly related to what you just brought up because it's a complex question, I feel like, because you have to really know the inner workings of how the Browns really feel about Baker Mayfield yeah. and then also combine that with your evaluation of what he's put out on tape since he's been the starter. Is this offensive philosophy a product of the talent they have right, in the scheme that they want to run or is it because... Baker has some limitations that keep him from being in that Justin Herbert type position where they're putting the game on his shoulder.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's something that, you know, we don't know <laughs> right. from the outside. I mean, I know right. this this offensive line is outstanding. These backs are outstanding. It makes sense to kind of run the offense through them. Sure. But if you want to take the offense to that, you know, super, super next level, you've right. got to have your quarterback be a little more involved and a little more explosive. That last two minute drive to me, I mean, look. They score forty-two points. I'm not acting like they're terrible and offense. nobody is impressed. Yeah, but this is but, the good. This is but good. This is in a game like yeah. this against a quarterback like Justin Herbert. By the way, you're going to see Josh Allen, and if the Chiefs get it figured out, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, these are the quarterbacks you got to run through once you get in the postseason. So when it when it's that time to get that drive, you need at the end of the game, they were left with enough time to be able to go down there and, and have a chance to win this football game outside of a hail mary that they ended up chucking,
5: and you're checking the ball down. I would I just, just tell, tell you guys, there's a certainly. Things that I that I am uh, really disappointed that I did in this game, not uh, you know, and I
0: got to come through for our team. I think some of the 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 conversation was, well, they have backup tackles. We didn't really trust these tackles versus the Chargers. The Chargers didn't have a pass rush all game. Yeah, you had Derwin James had a sack. That was the only hit they had on the quarterback the whole day. So to me. You know, it didn't it didn't inspire a lot of confidence in me that they believe they can really push the ball downfield and trust your
3: quarterback. Right. It feels like though that's the difference between getting knocked out of the playoffs in the divisional round, like yeah. the Browns did, against the team who again has that quarterback that can do everything and run the offense through his right arm and Patrick Mahomes, and then finding yourself in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. Um
3: you know, and I think that
2: think
0: the, to the Jags team.
3: Remember yeah. the Jags team was in the AFC championship game? Think to the 49ers yeah. just two years ago. We've seen this form to get
0: just, just close enough, just close enough. But, but not, when you get in and you're up against a team that has that dude at the quarterback
3: yeah. position, you got to be perfect. You got to be perfect everywhere else. And it helps that the Chargers have certainly supported Justin Herbert with the type of playmakers and they went out and, and beefed up the offensive line this year. Uh, and going to get Corey Lindsley and then going to get uh, Rashawn Slater in the draft. So like that all helps. That's all a piece. But then you bring in a new play caller, new offensive coordinator comes in with new head coach, Brandon Staley. What do you make of the job that Joe Lombardi has done?
0: Dude, he's going to be on the short list of head coaching candidates. He's a special play caller and
3: and, and he's got such a great feel for the game and, and for the relationships on our team. And uh, all those guys on offense and defense, they respect they respect him, And I do too. And uh, he makes all of us want to work harder for him. And, and he's a, a selfless guy that uh, knows so much about the game. So he's, he's done an incredible
5: job for us.
0: Yeah, we saw this offense go nuts in New Orleans with Drew Brees. Yeah. Now it's got this vertical element to it with, with Justin Herbert. He's adapted to that. There's RPOs. It's so new school what they're doing. And it's creative. It's imaginative. I know they, they ended up taking it off the board, but even like a quick little pitch to Austin Eckler there on the two-point play. Right, right. Every week you see it, it's, it's designed extra- incredibly well. And you can write down on your paper. You can write down five boxes, and for the shot plays, you can, as you go through the game, just check them. You no, know you're going to get five of them yeah. throughout the day that they have schemed up and they have find the perfect opportunity to call them.
3: Quick snap, Herbert to throw, pocket collapse, and takes a shot downfield. Has a man caught Mike Williams. No one's there. Ten five touchdown
5: Chargers.
3: And to Herbert's credit, he didn't miss. You know, Thoughtwood might be the you know, we might not hear from Joe Lombardi again after, you know, the experiment as the offensive coordinator and play caller in Detroit did not go very well. He ends up getting let go there, goes back to New Orleans as a quarterback coach, maybe refines the way he wants to run things moving forward. Why do you think it's worked so well now with Herbert? Because it's not like Matthew Stafford was a slouch at quarterback in Detroit. Well, we talk about it, you know, with a guy like Josh Allen. Be
0: patient. Yeah. Be patient with quarterbacks, be patient with players. Yeah. How about be patient with play callers? You know, he, that's his, his first time out there with Detroit after kind of being under the wing sure. of Sean Payton. And now he's got a chance to see, okay, what worked, what didn't work. And now he's got a chance to make those adjustments, goes back to New Orleans. They have tremendous success again. And I don't know. I mean, I can't, I can't judge him off of those Detroit years having not been there. Sure. But calling these Charger games each and every week, I can tell you this offense is well designed. It plays are well called. Um, it's as buttoned up
3: a group as you have. And, you know, and I think it also is like, hey, let's let's, you know, put these second chance guys back into focus here. I think a lot of people get tied up. Well, you know, I failed in Detroit. Why are you going to give this guy another shot? Yeah. Well, you know what? He might be even better this time around based on the issues he had the first time. So uh, that, and you don't that, know what the relationship
0: is with the head coach there. as Well, that was the next piece because some some head coaches are going to get involved and say, hey, all right. You know, no, that's too much. I want to bring it back. Right. Reign it in. Where I think. I think Staley's just you know Staley has input. He's incredibly bright, as everybody knows. Yeah, I'm sure he has some input in game planning. But once they get rolling, I think that's Joe's call. And then what about the
3: trust that Brandon Staley has in Joe Lombardi to call the plays, Justin Herbert to execute them, particularly on fourth down? Saw it three times; they were three for three on fourth down in this game against the Browns. Well, everybody's uh, listening to this from my uh, Wofford analogies. Yes,
0: um, I can't remember in college, when I was at App State. We play Wofford, and they were like a triple option team. But they were a four-down team, and it was so odd to play in the game because your natural inclination is third down, we gotta got to stop. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, we got another down to go. <laughs> like it, it is a it huge you. psychological yeah. issue when you're playing against a team that's aggressive on fourth down. Um, so, no, I I love it. It's fun. I'm sure there's going to come a day where they're going to not get some of these. They've been perfect outside of a fake punt that, that uh, didn't work. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be times where they're going to miss and they're going to give a short field and put it on their defense. But – to me, I think in that situation, it was, I know it's early in the third quarter, but if we punt this ball, the game is over. We're down by 14 points, and this is where we we make our stand. This is where we make a change, and
3: the aggressiveness paid off. And Mike Williams has been a revelation this year and is going to command some serious yeah. cash uh, here shortly for this Chargers organization. But that is a problem that they love to have. DJ, thanks, bud. Thanks, man. Still to come on this episode of NFL Inside Report.
4: If you listen to Aaron Rodgers after that game, Rat, and Matt LeFleur. They, they believe in Mason Crosby.
3: How that confidence in Crosby sustained through three straight missed kicks with the game on the line with Stacey Dales next.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.
1: It was
3: a historically bad week for kickers. On Sunday alone, 24 missed kicks, six of which came in the Packers-Bengals game alone. And five of those six misses with the game tied at 22 in the final three minutes of regulation and overtime. But that was all before Mason Crosby, coming off three consecutive misses of his own, hit the game winner from 49 yards out. And our Stacey Dales has seen firsthand why the Packers gave him that final opportunity. Give me a sense of the confidence that Matt LaFleur, as the head coach, has in his kicker to say, all right, I know you've missed three in a row, but you want to give this another shot or what?
4: Yeah, right. I've never seen the Green Bay Packers waiver from Mason Crosby. I think this is his 15th year in the National Football League. And I was there at that Detroit game, if you recall, a couple of years right. ago witnessing him miss I believe it was five kicks in that football mm-hmm. game to lose I think they lost the game in Detroit um they did yeah and so you know when you witness that in person and and you understand just kind of what goes through a guy's head to the degree that you can
0: I felt really good on that left hash a little right to left win so uh I made two from 44 there earlier in the in the game. So. Just trusted that uh, that it was gonna you know move a little slightly right to left. Felt really good about the the op and the hit and um, you know so that uh, yeah I mean I, it was a little bit of relief but uh, you know there was excitement.
4: I like in kicks whether it's an extra point. Maybe your field goals are a bigger difference, but it's like a, a great free throw shooter in hoops. You've done it a million times and you'll do it a million times more. But in the final ten seconds of a basketball game a million things are going through your mind. So while you've done it a million times, you've got a million things in your mind. And it it messes with that that psyche to to the degree that we can see it for a guy like Mason Crosby who's been so successful. So I think it was a, a resilient bounce back as he missed four total kicks. One of course was an extra point, but um yeah, I mean if you listen to Aaron Rodgers after that game rat and Matt LaFleur, they they believe in Mason Crosby. You know, Aaron Rodgers went over to the special teams coach and said, is he going to make it? And he's like, yeah, he's going to make it. So 12, 12 was like, let's go, dude, make the kick.
5: Came over the sideline because there was an injury. No, the measurement, right? They are measuring it, reviewing it, and was looking for Mo, Mo Drayden, Um, Because that was a big decision. Do we go for it? Uh, with Mace having missed a uh, few kicks. Um, and I said, Mo, is he going to make it? he said, oh, yeah, he's going to make it. I said, let's kick it then. Um, he was confident. I was confident.
4: 12 told everybody after the game he, he was standing, in, as far as the other kicks, the misses, he was standing at a certain place on the field. So he had to change that trajectory for himself. So he goes down. I think it was closer to the end zone. And then you have Devontae Adams, who can't watch. Like he told us after oh, the game. Oh, gosh, really? He, he couldn't watch the final 49-yarder, was it? So Yeah. Um. Wow, I was glued to it like everybody else.
3: Yeah, and I, I just think it, it says something to that confidence that you're talking about uh, that the Packers as a whole have in, in Crosby, but for Matt LaFleur to put it to him, be like, hey, man, do you want another shot at this thing? Or do I need to go for it here on fourth and one and try to get this thing closer? You
1: know what I mean? I literally asked him. I walked over. He was in the kicking net. He was coming back towards uh, the field. I said, hey, wh- what, do you, what do you think? He's like, I got this, and so I was like, All right, you got it. Go do it.
4: Yeah, I think you're right, and but what choice do you have? I mean, time's running out. You're in overtime, and
3: they needed it. They needed it. How
4: do you feel? How do you feel about ties in the National Football League? Like personally, as a fan of the game, yeah, I I can't stand ties. I can't like you you play four quarters plus an extra quarter, and you're like. The really? NFL is violent. What you, like how right. do you feel about him? Because Rogers after the game was like, yeah, you kind of go shake hands and everybody's like, okay.
3: <laughs> I think if if a win is is within at all within reach, you go for the win. But if it's clear, you know, all right, we're gonna we're gonna tie this thing. Um but yeah, nobody nobody likes it. Nobody really knows how to act after a tie anyway. Thank goodness that didn't happen <laughs> right. here. Um but for the Packers, they kept getting into field goal range they kept getting these opportunities and a big part of that was of course that connection that Aaron Rodgers has with Devontae Adams who was such a huge piece of this offense with over 200 yards receiving in this game third down and 12 Rodgers sets throws wide open Devontae Adams Adams finally taken down at the Bengals 25-yard line by Von Bell on third and 12. It's just one of those things. It's like you see it, you see it, you see it, and you just can't stop it. Why is that?
4: Well, so it was really interesting. He told his wife, Devontae Adams, did before the game, I'm going to have a career high. He had 206 yards receiving, right? It's like he told his wife and a couple of family members, I'm going to have a career high today. And what's remarkable, I think you were a receiver, right, Rhett?
2: Yeah. Were you not? Indeed. Okay.
4: So you understand all the different coverage looks that you can get. Well, yes. Devontae is getting virtually, if, if, if he gets like a one-on-one once in a quarter, it's exploited. So that right there is the connection that Rodgers has with Devontae Adams. It's, it's just, it's, it's unworldly what we're witnessing with these two, in my opinion.
0: Aaron Rodgers fires downfield looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! Inside the Bengals. 10-yard line, a
1: spectacular catch. Rodgers to Adams, 59 yards.
4: But then he's seeing double, triple coverages. And the Packers are figuring out ways to out-scheme that. Ever since we saw that meltdown in week one in Jacksonville against the New Orleans Saints, um, where there was like a shell coverage and it, everything was underneath from the Saints defensively. Well, now they're diagnosing what to do. And what I love about it is last year, we witnessed the best offense in football in the Packers. And, Teams have tried to figure it out. They're trying to throw them different looks. They're still finding ways to win. So that, to me, is the mark of a great team versus just a good team in the NFL. And goodness gracious, I mean, it's special.
3: Yeah. I mean, you've been covering the NFC North for us for a long time. Um, And, I mean, how difficult was it for the Lions to get the ball to Calvin Johnson at times during his career? How maddening was that? Yet here, the Packers consistently find a way to not only get – Devontae Adams' targets, but to find ways for him to impact the game greatly. Um, and, you know, I thought it was really interesting in this game, the way that the Bengals treated him. Because they put <laughs> they put Chidobe Awuzie on him exclusively. Now, mm-hmm. whether they were in man or zone is a different story, but he was lined up over him or near him or, or you know, right in close with him where you knew that he was that, that guy immediately in coverage responsible for him. Mm-hmm. And he did a pretty good job on it. In fact, you know, he targeted him six times in one-on-one coverage with Jadobi Uzi and only had three receptions. And Uzi went out of the game in the second quarter with about six or seven minutes left and bam, Devontae Adams struck. He had a long game against Mike, uh, against the Eli Apple and then had that touchdown down on the goal line against Trey Waynes, I think it was, in coverage.
5: Aaron Rodgers sees Devontae Adams split out with one-on-one coverage. I don't care who's not Devontae Adams. That ball is going out there, and it did that time. And that brings me to
3: this point. That play or that collection of plays Mm -hmm. where – they're inside the five-yard line. Aaron Rodgers finds a way to get it to Devontae Adams. It's like the best goal line sequence in football. Better than, better than any opportunity they have to hand it off, mm-hmm. it seems. That, that For whatever reason, they have such consistency in getting into the end zone that way. They must work on that a
4: ton. There's no question. I I was shocked at that touchdown. I think you said it was Trey Waynes. I thought it was Eli Apple for a second, but um, I'm like replaying it back in my mind, Devontae. And when you mentioned Kelvin Johnson, I'm like snatch, snatch physicality. Like these receivers, that's, that's where Devontae. Yeah. Rogers makes a lot of guys look good, but Rogers and Devontae inverse that, right? Right. Devontae sometimes makes Rodgers look good too. Like this the way he can go up and manipulate the football in the air. I mean, there's a couple guys that can do it. D hop. I mean, yeah. you can around the league with the way Cooper Cup's playing, but sure. Just as far as the physicality of the position, Devontae Adams does it in finesse and he does it in physicality. And so yeah, it's 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 really, really cool to watch.
5: He's just so talented, even when you know that. I'm probably going to him. He still finds a way to get open and makes a big catch and breaks a tackle, and (laughs) I mean, the guy's a special player.
4: I go back to the practice habits, though, and I think it's important, and we don't talk about it because we're not always at practice. I have had the luxury of being at Packers practice. Yeah. Devontae Adams, literally, if something doesn't go right within the sequence of a period, Brett, he goes back to the back of the line, and he redoes it. Like he's now in what year, whatever, eight, nine, 10. Like yeah. And he goes back and he redoes it and he makes it right. And they can't move past the drill until Devonte Adams does it right. And then he goes to the front of the line because he's always the first guy at the front. And he starts the next drill. That's why Devonte Adams is special and rare and why he told his wife, I'm going to have a career day. And he did.
5: <laughs>
3: exactly, that's a great story. I love that, and uh, I mean, had a, a phenomenal day with over 200 yards receiving on, on 11 catches. Was targeted 16 times in this game, and uh, and it's now the fourth straight win for the Packers since that season opening loss, where it felt like the sky was falling. Does this feel like a team that's going to continue this upward trend as they have a matchup against Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears coming up here this
4: week? I think so. I mean. First of all, let's not overlook the Bears right now. I mean, people are yeah. believing because Justin Fields has given this team a lot of hope. The defense is pretty good. I mean, Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack are playing really good football. This is the yeah, best I've seen Robert Quinn come off the edge in quite a while. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, when I look at the Packers' schedule, it's not an easy one upcoming, right? I mean, you, you've right. got to come to the Chicago Bears in the oldest rivalry in football. And yeah, you're against Washington at home, but then you've got, I believe with the Cardinals, Cardinals
3: and Chiefs and Seahawks,
4: right? Yeah. (laughs) So uh, Seahawks are certainly different without Russell Wilson for a little bit, but um, the schedule doesn't get any easier. But this team, I I said it before, I just, the good teams, you know, sometimes don't finish games. The great teams do.
5: This is a big win for us on the road. Uh, It wasn't as hostile as maybe we expected. They talked about a sellout. I think there might've been some missing and there was a lot of green and gold in the sands, which was great. But uh, this was an important game for us to be able to fly home at four and one. When that game looked like it could go either way or even a tie, uh, this definitely changes the uh, uh, the positive vibes moving forward.
4: The Packers are a great football team. I think the defense is getting better, and once Jair Alexander returns, yeah, I mean they're 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 a different secondary with him in there, and they still go on the road and beat a really good Bengals team, by the way. So yeah. Um, Joe Burrow, goodness, like that guy's playing some outstanding football and to play through with a contusion to his neck through that game and go to the hospital afterwards. Like that's a gutty performance. The Bengals are a really good team.
3: Did you get a sense of the respect level from the Packers towards, you know, what what the Bengals have done this season and what Joe Burrow has done uh, after the game?
4: There's absolutely no question. In fact, Adams, when he spoke after the game, he said, this isn't the Bengals team of old. I feel like this division, there's a big shift in the AFC North with Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And um you you get these, you know, comments from players and coaches around the league, at least I do, like this isn't the Browns team of old. This isn't the Bengals team of old.
0: I know exactly what kind of football team we have now. If there's any questions about what time what type of fight we have, what type of energy we have, what type of love we have for each other. And uh and I know that the people that are at the game today, the people that are watching on TV, they 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 should be proud of this team. And it's going to come down to some last-second plays, and sometimes we'll make them, sometimes we won't. Um, but this team's going to fight to the end against great teams, great quarterbacks, and uh, I believe in our guys, and this is going to serve us well over the course of the season.
4: There's a shift, a palpable shift in, yeah. I think divisionally with with the AFC North, and you can kind of see it by the. Uh, listen, I had the Packers Steelers um, in Week Four in Green Bay, mm-hmm. and talking to a couple Steelers folks about their division, like. The the only thing I have to hear is they got a quarterback. They got a quarterback. So that's it. that's, that's yeah. what the Steelers are saying about the Bengals. They got a quarterback and his name's Joe Burrow.
3: There it is. Stacey Dales. Thanks very much. Thanks, Rep. Good news from what was a concerning situation last night for Burrow. Our Ian Rappaport reporting the Bengals quarterback checked out fine and was released from the hospital Sunday night, while his head coach Zach Taylor saying Monday, Burrow should be fine moving forward. Still to come. the news the bills exercise some revenge on sunday night beating the chiefs 38 to 20 in their first meeting since kc knocked buffalo from the postseason a year ago allen brings a receiver in motion from the left that's mckenzie fakes the handoff throws end zone it is caught touchdown bills emmanuel sanders for the second time tonight Sanders tumbling down in the end zone, pulls it in, and with 5.51 to go, the Bills' lead is back to 17. Josh Allen's four touchdowns pacing the Bills' attack, while their defense made Patrick Mahomes and the high-flying Chiefs look like mere mortals while forcing four Chiefs turnovers. Some good news for Kansas City. Running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looks to have escaped a serious knee injury. Ari and Rappaport reporting an MCL sprain for Edwards-Heller last night, which will keep him out a number of weeks. The Giants saw their superstar running back, Saquon Barkley, go down as well with a lower leg injury. Rapsheet reporting a low ankle sprain will put Barkley week to week moving forward, while his teammates, wideout Kenny Galladay and quarterback Daniel Jones, also forced from the game with injuries. Tom Brady had some ice and a wrap on his throwing hand after a 44-17 win over Miami, but you certainly couldn't tell anything was bothering him by his stat line. Play action fake, sold by Brady, throws a deep pass downside toward Evans, toward him, it's a caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay, Mike Evans! That was Brady's fifth touchdown pass of the day. He also threw for over 400 yards, and as the Athletics' Greg Allman pointed out, Brady has now led the Bucs to 44 points or more six times in his 25 games with the team. And in the franchise's previous 44 years, they had reached the 44-point mark six times total. And that will do it for this episode of NFL Inside Report. We're back with you Wednesday and Friday with fresh episodes to get you set for Week 6 in the NFL. For producers, Thomas Warren and Tim Karachka, I'm Brett Lewis. We'll see you next time. NFL Inside Report is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more official podcasts from the NFL, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.